0: Oh, Tragic act of love has paid The price my sin demands Some more gods children when trumpets howling mountains mouth and shake announcing heaven's splendor The gates of new- hand my Savior It guides me day by day I know that Thou art with me through all my periods Yet no thought so precious so full of joy to me Is this Thou art my portion and shall For past and present blessings, I thank the gracious Lord. I reverence. Ever- Save your art my portion, what wealth untold is mine, what pure. Rusty, in Christ.
1: Well, good morning. Great to be back with you all again this morning. Uh, Growing up, I've mentioned it before, uh, I loved playing basketball. Like that was the sport that I was uh, best at, I guess. Uh, Maybe not really good at it still, but it was the sport that I loved. It was the one that I played. But um, there was one thing that I hated about basketball, practice, practice. I mean, if you're familiar with any NBA players, Allen Iverson is a really famous one back in 2000s, early 2000s, and he had a speech in which he constantly said, we're talking about practice. I mean, not a game, we're talking about practice, everyone. Like, it's practice. And I I kind of agree with Allen Iverson. I hated practice. I mean, it was like, could I just go and play the games and not actually practice? Like, let me practice on my own. And there was one reason that I actually hated practice so much. And it's because of this thing that we call conditioning, where people just ran. And like your coach, for no reason, not even because you got in trouble, he just said, go run. We're going to do. And we had these things and what we called them back then was suicides. I think they're called line drills or something now, but we had suicides. Uh, My school, my coach incorporated these horrible things called Vegas's in which you had to run really far in a short amount of time. And if you didn't get it, you'd have to repeat the process until you got it, which never happened because you just got more and more tired and slower and slower. And we would always run. And a little background of of my basketball team is there were seven of us. We just had a team of seven kids. Uh, My school had 100 K through 12. So we weren't a really big school. I mean, we were kind of small, but we were really good at basketball. I mean, in all honesty, not to like toot our own horns, but we still lost games. But we actually were really good. Uh, We beat Pittsburgh, Kansas. They're a 5A school. We were a little negative A, and we still beat them. And so we were able to hold our own. And the reason that we were is because of that thing that I hated called conditioning. Because our coach knew there are seven players. That means that my whole starting lineup is not gonna get a break at the same time. So they better be in the best shape of their life. And he knew we needed to train for a game. And so we needed to run and we would run. And it came true. Whenever we played these teams, that is really how we won a lot of our games is we were just able to outrun them because our coach saw the importance of training, of making these little fundamental things actually a big thing in realizing, hey, if we're going to be ready for the game, we need to prepare for the game. Because what if we took my approach? Hey, coach, can we just like shoot a couple free throws, not actually run, and then go play the game? We would be dog tired. We would be getting ran up and down, and we'd be like sub every three seconds but my coach saw the need and he pushed us to make us better. And I say that because that's how uh, really a lot of Christians are viewing life the same way that I viewed basketball, where it was like, hey, can I not do the spiritual disciplines? And then whenever I get caught up in trouble, I'll, I'll wing it. I'll just be ready. Maybe I'll be prepared, and just like what would have happened had I been coached as a freshman, we are getting trampled because it's like, hey, whenever that time comes, I'm not going to prepare for it. But when that time comes, I'll be ready. And that time comes, and it's like, nah, I'm not ready. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this situation because we're not training for what we need to be getting prepared for. Because Paul tells us we're in a battle every single believer, every single person who has placed their faith in Christ, you are in a battle. We're told in Ephesians that it's not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, the principalities, the authorities, the spiritual forces of the dark world. We are in a battle. This morning, when you woke up, put on your shoes, you stepped into the battlefield. You stepped into a war. How are you doing at training for that war? And that's why we're going through this series that we're looking at right now called Priorities. Because it's all based on Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where Jesus tells us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that's what we're trying to do in this time. What I'm trying to do through the Spirit of God is encourage you, hey, these spiritual disciplines, you have a little insert in your bulletin saying, hey, can you give five to God? These five spiritual disciplines— are what God is calling us to do to train for what we call the Christian walk. And how we're just going to seek first the kingdom of God before anything else. Before sports, or school, or work, or even family, we're going to seek first the kingdom of God. And we've been talking about priorities. Last week, we talked about the priorities of putting God's word before anything. Having it be what we feed on daily. And part of that Christian walk, a big part of your Christian walk is relationship with Jesus. I mean, that is your Christian walk, it's relationship. And, and what that relationship is based on is communication. And so last week, being in God's word, we looked at how God communicates to us. He speaks to us through his word. All scripture is God-breathed, 1 Timothy 3.16. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. Hebrews tells us that. And so that is God speaking to us. If you want to know what the heart of God is, be in his word. And you'll learn it far better than being in nature. You'll get it there. Than being cruising down the road, you'll get it there. But the primary way is to be in God's word. But also we're called to communicate with God. And so that's what we're talking about today is our speaking to God, which is what we as believers call prayer, having a conversation with God. And now we're looking at prioritizing prayer actually saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to cut out something in my life so that I can get on my knees before God and open up my heart to him. Let my requests be made known to him. And we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6, and we're looking at a man whose life was devoted to prayer. And we're going to see in Daniel 6 what Daniel believed was the practice of prayer, what Daniel believed was the purpose of prayer, and ultimately we're going to see the power of prayer. And so we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse 1. And I just want to tell you, like, I wrote this message twice pretty much because I had one draft and it was like, oh no. I don't like that. That feels forced. That feels fake. That feels like I'm trying to put scripture into my own opinion. And if you don't believe there's a God, let me tell you, he's real. And like, he just smacked me upside the head this week with this passage, because this was the farthest thing from my mind about prayer being in Daniel chapter six. And I was like, God, I have no idea what to say. And out of the blue, this verse popped in my head. And so I'm telling you, God has a message for us today. I hope your hearts are open to it, and I hope that I'm open to just getting out of the way so that God can speak. And so if you'll stand, we're going to flip the switch real quick, and we're going to pray before we read. Usually we do it the other way around. We're going to pray first, then I'll read, and then you may be seated. So if you'll join me in a word of prayer, God, you are so good And God, I 100% believe you have got a message for us today to see how important prayer, talking to you, letting everything be known to you, God, how important that is. And so God, I pray first off, get me out of the way so that it can be your message. Let, Let it just be you that is speaking, let your text lead into it. And then God, I pray also for the hearts of all of us that as we hear hear what your word proclaims, God, let it hit our hearts. And let us not be like the man that hears the word, looks in the mirror and walks away and forgets, but God, let us apply it to our lives. May we seek you beyond anything. So God, I just pray that here and now, God, speak to us. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray this. Amen. Daniel chapter 6. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O king Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should be established or should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any God or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius, sign the document and injunction. And then where we're going to spend our time today. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees 3 times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God before his God as he had done previously. Thank you you may be seated. And so here we see Daniel's facing this difficult situation. I mean, Daniel has had, I mean, they're really just targeting Daniel. It's like, hey, what is the one way that we can eliminate this man, Daniel? And they're like, he's too good of a man. Like he is faithful to the king. Here's what the one thing that he has put beyond obeying the king. It's his God. And so they say, what we're going to do is we're going we're to make it to where if anybody, even to any other God is going to make a petition, they will be thrown into the lion's den because Daniel, will. we know he's going to, to not follow that petition. He is going to go to his God. And so think about this. This is just a 30-day span. It doesn't say that for the rest of their lives they have to do this. It says for 30 days, nobody can make a petition to any God or man other than King Darius. How easy would it have been to compromise in that situation if you're Daniel? Think about that. Oh, 30 days. All right, I'm gonna pray in my head. I don't have to go make a public specter of it. I'm just gonna, all right, while I'm walking my camel down the road, God, you know, be in this situation. Nobody needs to know that I'm praying. For 30 days, I won't even pray. I can do that. For 30 days, God, you can hop on the back burner. I'll come back to you. I'll repent of it, but for 30 days, I can do this. I'll pray ahead of time, but you know, once that's made, I'll either pray in my mind or we'll take a sabbatical, God. We'll kind of separate ourselves for a little bit and then I'll come back because man if I'm dead I can't do your will and so I mean it would have been easy to make that compromise because we do that all the time don't we we're going to make compromises with God God I would pray for you but man Oprah Winfrey is on TV right now and she has got Hugh Jackman and I want to see what he has to say no idea why I said those names but we're going with that but it's the first names that came to my mind. But it's like, you know what? Or the Olympics are on, God, and they're in Tokyo, another time zone. I got to stay up late. Couldn't, couldn't pray. I'll pray tomorrow. Or, you know what, God? I'm just too busy. Maybe while I'm in the middle of my busyness, I'll take a moment. Hey, God, thank you. All right, cool. Catch you later. I mean, we make these compromises all the time. Daniel could have done it. Would anybody have blamed him? Hey, Daniel, just like don't do it in public. Like shut your windows, man. Don't let them see you doing that. But no, Daniel was faithful. Notice that what it says in verse 10. We read that. In Daniel 6, verse 10, it said, He knew the document had been signed. He went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God. And then notice, As he had done, previously. It was like nothing's going to change for Daniel as he had done previously. What that is telling me is that Daniel had a practice of praying. He constantly was in prayer. Three times a day, he said, all right, I'm going to stop doing what the king wants me to do. I'm going home. I'm going up into my upper chamber. I'm opening the doors towards Jerusalem, which was commanded in scripture, and I'm going to get down on my knees and I'm going to pray. I'm going to halt life three times a day, so that I can pay respect to God, so that I can be in, re, in, in communication with God. Daniel saw the importance of prayer, so much so that he made a practice of it. It was a priority beyond what the king desired. Notice, it was a priority beyond his own life. Hey, Daniel, they're going to kill you if you do that. That's fine. I'm going to be obedient to God. He is more important. So I'm going to prioritize prayer. I have already made it a priority. I have been practicing this daily. Nearly 600 years later, Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, he wrote this. He wrote, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and then be constant in prayer. Notice that those three things pretty much sum up the life of Daniel. Because that word be constant, what it really means is be devoted. Like devote yourself nonstop, live a life of prayer. And so Daniel, we see, man, he he pretty much, Romans chapter 12, verse 12, did that. He devoted himself to prayer. He had a hope of God's future salvation. He was patient in exile. I mean, he's in tribulation right now. Like, he knows that his, like, he knows what tribulation is. He's not even in his own country. He has a new name. He's actually being called Belshazzar because it's like, hey, we're going to get rid of your Jewish name and give you a Babylonian name. And then he has this, I mean, he's being patient through all of that, saying, God, I know that you are faithful. And then he is constant. He is devoted to prayer through all of this. And for Daniel, it wasn't some passing conversation. So often I feel like we view prayer as like a text message to God. Like, hey God, what are you doing today? And we, we just make it these really small, like, hey, I need groceries. Don't forget to heal my brother. You know, we do these quick little snippet prayers to God where what God is saying is, hey, I want so much more. Like, do relationships really grow if you only text message people? I mean, honestly, I found out most of the time through text messaging, things get dicey because you don't hear the heart. You don't, like, you don't really get—text messages are not great for deep conversations. And where these little prayers of, like, not that they're bad, I'm not going to, like, smack you for that, but what I'm saying is I believe God wants so much more. God is wanting true depth in our relationship. I mean, Paul, I view Paul kind of as like the New Testament Daniel, because Paul knew what it was like to be in exile. Paul knew what it was like to be devoted in prayer. Paul knew what it was like to be patient, and Paul knew what it was to have a hope for a future salvation. And a fourth of Paul's letters— in one-fourth of them, half of the letters that he wrote to the churches, he hit on this theme specifically of, hey, be constant, be devoted to prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, he said, pray without ceasing. Philippians 4.6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul's currently in prison when he's writing that. Colossians 4.2, still in prison, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Ephesians 6.18, this is where he's talking about you are in a war, you better armor up Christians, and then he closes it out with pray at all times in the spirit. With all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints." Both Daniel and Paul knew that there's a practice to prayer, that it is prioritizing it, and it is devoting yourself to conversation with God. Can we say that's who we are? And I mean, as Center Christian Church, I mean— It almost feels like this could be a redundant message because I know how strong of prayer warriors this church is. I mean, we have testimony after testimony of you all just praying for people on our prayer list. But still, I think we can grow in it. As God is calling us to just grow in our prayer walk with him more and more. It's not like when you are, you know, with your kids or with your spouse or with a friend and you're like, you know what, I think, I think we're good in our friendship. We, we don't need to grow in this anymore. No, it's like, hey, let's grow. Let's become even closer. Let's get even, even better in our relationship. And I think that's what God's saying. Hey, you might be doing a good job, but let's grow in that. Let's prioritize it even more because you know what? There's those little things. There's those days that you're tired and you're like, "Mm, not today. And God's like, no, how about today? How about we do this here and now? And then, I mean, honestly, there's reasons that we're like, yeah, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to prioritize prayer because honestly, I don't see a need for prayer. God already knows my thoughts. He already knows what I'm doing. So why pray? Or we don't see the importance of it. As in, not that we don't see the need, but honestly, it's like, God, I really don't think that you're gonna respond because I really don't think that you hear or care or actually are that powerful. So I'm not gonna present my request to you. Or the last one that I could think of is, we just don't trust it. We don't believe it works. It's like, why pray when there's no power in it? Whereas what Daniel would say and what we're gonna get to here at the end of this message is there is very much power in prayer. But maybe not in the way that you think, but we'll get to that here in a minute. But also there's a purpose in prayer. Before we see the power, we have to see the purpose. Like why should I pray? Because there truly is a purpose. And it's not some genie in a bottle where God, if I say the right thing, then you're gonna do what I want. But instead the purpose for prayer is is that it gives our focus to God. It redirects our views from whatever we're going through and we're looking up and saying, God, you're the one that is in control. God, you're the one that I trust. You're the one. Because notice Daniel 6, 10. It said when he knew that the document had been signed. I mean, think about this. It's like he could have made every excuse possible and like God, like not right now. But instead, pretty serious thing. If you pray, you're going to get killed by lions. Daniel goes into his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God. Daniel knew the purpose. Hey, man, this terrible thing just happened. I need you, God. I need your strength. I need your power to come upon me. I need to trust in you. So God, I'm going to align my heart with you and I'm going to pray because that's what prayer does. It takes our focus off of our needs, off of our weaknesses, off of our inabilities, and it puts it on God. It shows us, God, you're the only one that can help me through this. You're the one that can get me through this. God, I'm not, I, I can't get through the lion's den on my own. I need you to help me with that. God, you are the only strength that I have. It takes our focus away from that. And notice, what would most people say is the biggest difficulty with prayer? I, I would venture out to say, focus. That the biggest difficulty with praying is, all right, it feels like I'm talking to the air, and so then I start saying, hey, God, I need help here, and oh, yeah, I have dishes that need to be made or done, and I I, I have to go take care of this, and our mind starts to drift. You think it's because maybe we're under attack, and it's like, hey, I need to, like, oh, crud, they're going to the commander. Let's redirect, change their mind about this. Let's distract them. Or maybe it's just that we're mentally weak. That would be me. Where it's just like, man, I need, oh, look, like anybody seen Up and the dog that talks and he's talking and then it's like, squirrel, that is my prayer life. Where it's just like, oh God, I need, oh, look at that shiny tree over there. It's so pretty. I mean, it's just like, that's what happens. So we we need to focus our attention to God when we devote ourselves to prayer. It fixes our attention on God. Notice what the psalmist said in Psalm 121, 1 through 2. He says this, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. What I'm going to do is I'm going to look up and I'm going to see God and I'm going to focus on God and I'm not going to be distracted by all these other things. I'm going to focus on God. God. Prayer shows our dependence on God, that we need Him in that moment. It does a great job of reminding us who's in control. That I'm not in control, that I'm not able, but God, I need you. You are the one that is in control. But we live in America where we have struggles, but for the most part, it seems like we can get through them on our own. And so we don't always pray. I mean, honestly, if you could go a day without prayer, would anything change? Because are you truly relying on that dependence in prayer, or are you relying on your own ability? Like, hey God, I think I got this one today. You can, you can take a break. I mean, I looked at my calendar. It's a day of rest. Nothing's going to happen to me today. God, I don't need you today. And it's like, that's so wrong. Like, God, every single day, I need you And every single day, we should be hitting our knees metaphorically or even literally and falling before God and saying, God, it is you that I need. You are the only one that can get me through this. He's not some 911 call of I'm going to have you on speed dial if I need you. But really today, it doesn't look like there's going to be any emergencies. What God wants is for us to come to Him every single day. With our joys, our concerns, our struggles, our weaknesses, He wants us to come to Him. Because He, even though He knows what our thoughts are, I mean, what parent who, who loves their children doesn't want to hear what's on their kid's mind? Like you probably already know, they're thinking about ice cream. But it's like, man, I want to hear about ice cream. Oh yeah, you love ice cream? I already knew that. But tell me, what's your favorite? Rocky Road? Oh yeah, let's go get some. Like God loves his children. He wants to hear what's on our hearts. He wants us to be in that relationship with him. I mean, what parents, sometimes we, you know, not we, but sometimes parents do this and it's just like, go to your room. Like, I'm tired of you. God's not that way. What God says is, hey, come to me. I want to hear about it. Talk to me about this. Like, let's, let's go. Let's deepen our relationship. I love you. And then spending time in prayer, not just being in God's word, but also praying. It's how we get to know the heart of God. Spending time in prayer, in addition to being in God's word, grows in that relationship with God. I heard it said this way. The way to know the heart of someone is by spending time with them. I mean, time helps you grow in your relationship. The way to know God's heart is by spending time with God. Removing the distractions, daily devoting yourself, seeking his kingdom first, and growing in your walk with him. That's how you get to know the heart of God. And then we'll wrap it up with this. When you know the heart of God, That's when you get to see the power of prayer. When you're spending that time with God, you get to see the heart of God. And when you see God's heart, you get to see, hey, when I'm in prayer, there's power in it. Again, it's not some genie in a bottle. If I say the right prayer, I'm gonna get everything I want. But when we go to God, we see he is bigger than all our circumstances. Look at Daniel chapter 6. We're going to jump down to verse 16. Because here's the thing. Darius issued the document. The decree had been made. Daniel goes and does exactly what he wasn't supposed to do. With windows open. They see that, come and arrest him. And then in Daniel chapter 6, verse 16, it says, The king commanded... And Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. You know what the power of Daniel's prayers were? Not that it kept him from being thrown into the lion's den. Daniel didn't know what the result of the lion's den was going to be. We get to read about that because we're multiple years later. But what Daniel knew is God is faithful that God is bigger than whatever I'm going through. Because I have daily devoted myself to prayer, fixing my eyes on God. I know whatever is coming my way, God will get me through it. I mean, I love the way that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said in Daniel 3.18, whenever they were threatened, hey, bow down to the idol, or else you're going to be thrown in the fiery furnace. And they say, hey, you, you decide whether that's right or wrong. Like, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to stay faithful to God. He will deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're not bowing down. Because they knew that God was bigger than what they were going through. Look at Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane where he was about to face the cross. I mean, the darkest moment in history. And Jesus spends that time in prayer. And he says, God, not my will. Because God, my will is for this cup to be removed. Like, man, is there any other way? But God, not my will, but your will be done. Because he was devoted in prayer. His eyes were fixed on Jesus. God, I really don't want to go through this, but you're bigger. And I know that you will be glorified through it all. So God, I'm going to be faithful to you. Look at David throughout the entire Psalms, where he is being attacked by what he thought was a really close friend, King Saul, where he is being betrayed by his own son, where he is, because of the sin that he committed, losing the birth of his child, and through all of it, you see the heart of David praying to God. Because he knows, God, only you can get me through this. Because there is power in prayer. Not that you'll necessarily be delivered from the lion's den or the fiery furnace. But maybe it's like Jesus where you're going to have to go through something terrible. But the thing is, is that when you have devoted yourself to prayer, fixing your eyes on Jesus, you know there's an end that is far greater than anything this world can throw at you. And I mean, look at what we're going through right now. I mean, in America alone right now, globally right now, I mean, godly. there are so many things that could pull your attention away. There's wars, there's COVID, there's civil unrest, there's political unrest. I mean, the list just goes on and on. And it's like, oh man, we, we might even have some stuff coming down the pipe that we don't like as believers. But when we devote ourselves to prayer— we can look at that, and we can remember John sixteen thirty three. I tell you these things, so that in me you may have peace. Because why? In this world, you're going to have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So when we see and devote ourselves to fixing our eyes on God, we see there's power in that because it aligns, hey God, you are far greater You will get me through this, but not my will, but your will be done. I mean, Paul knew exactly what this was about. He, you know, wrote multiple times, devote yourself to prayer, be constant in prayer. And it's not because he was living in Beverly Hills, was sipping like really fancy drinks. But in, we actually get a view of his life in 2 Corinthians 11. I love this list, even though it's kind of like creepy at the same time. Because of everything he went through. And all of it was inflicted because of the gospel. But yet he knew, hey, God, you are faithful. You are powerful. He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes, less one. So he received 195 lashes. And yet still faithful to God. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned so much that they thought he was dead and he got up and went straight back into the town that they just stoned him from. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea, I was on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, in danger from robbers, in danger from my very own people, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. It's like, Paul, where could you go that you weren't in danger? Nowhere. He was constantly in danger. He was in toil and hardship. Through many a sleepless night, he was in hunger and thirst. Often he had no food, in cold and exposure. And apart from the other things, there is the daily pressure on him of anxiety for for all the churches. He says, who's weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to fall? And I'm not indignant. But if I'm going to boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. So, understand that. See everything that Paul went through? All of that for the gospel, because of the gospel? When you understand that, Philippians 4 makes a whole lot more sense. As he's writing this right now in prison, and he says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. Yeah, look at Second Corinthians 11 and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. You know how? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know how I got through the beatings and the lashes and the stonings and the danger and the shipwrecks and everything? It wasn't relying on myself. I can do it all through Christ. He is the one that strengthened me. You think Paul just got that mindset because he just kicked back, didn't do anything until that stuff happened? I think it came because Paul multiple times said, be constant in prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. Pray always. Be patient in tribulation and be devoted to prayer. The way to see the power of prayer is by utilizing the purpose of prayer, which is done through by practicing prayer. By daily devoting yourself to fixing your eyes on Jesus, and you will see there is power in that. Whatever comes at you, hey, God's going to deliver me from this. But even if He doesn't, He does. I mean, He might deliver me through this earth or on this earth, but even if He doesn't, I'm still delivered. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Because Christ has been raised from the dead, we too have a hope to raise from the dead. And so here's, here's we're gonna wrap things up here. If you think prayer is truly important, if you, if you are hearing this and it's like, yes, I agree with that. Yes, that I, I see the importance of it. I see, yes, it should be devoted to. You're gonna devote your time to it. I mean, the things that you find to be important, that's what you're devoting your life to. And so if you truly think prayer is important, your life will be devoted to it. Which leads to a question. What does the way that you are spending time praying say about what you believe about prayer? Are you like me? I mean, before this week, like, this, this message, I'm telling you, smacked me upside the head. Because honestly, what before, prior to this week, because I knew what I was preaching on, but prior to this week, it would have been like, yeah, I sent God SOSs and text messages, and I claimed that it was constantly praying. But there was no true devotion to prayer. There was no true saying, God, this is a priority. I need you today more than anything else. And so what does... The way that you are spending time praying, say about what you believe about prayer. Because what God is wanting is for people. As he says in Matthew 6, to seek first the kingdom of God. You know what that word first literally means? Before anything else. First. Before your next meal. Before whatever's on television. Before your next activity before anything, devote yourself to prayer. And so I asked this last week, what can you give up this week to devote yourself in prayer to God? What is it that God is asking for you to die to so that you can live in him and devote yourself to him saying, God, I need you more. Maybe I'm going to skip breakfast this week so that in that time I can just fix my eyes on you. Maybe I'm going to give up that late night TV show so that I can just be devoted and looking at you. Maybe I'm going to give up... 15 minutes of sleep in the morning instead of hitting, yeah, hitting snooze, I'm going to wake up earlier, hit my knees, and before I even brush my teeth, I'm praying to you. Whatever it is, what is God asking you? Hey, this has become an idol. You're not seeking first the kingdom of God. You're seeking first your own pleasures, your own joys, your own leisures. What can you give up to devote yourself in prayer to God? Because I love the way D.L. Moody said it, and this is my prayer. Literally, this is my prayer for the church. The world has yet to see what God can do with a man, with a heart fully devoted to him. And then D.L. Moody closed that with saying, but I desire to be that man. My prayer is that we will give our hearts fully to God, that it won't be some Sunday morning thing, that it won't even be a just coming to service thing, but that it will be that here at 3150 Southwest Center Road in Columbus, Kansas, we are a people that seeks first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. More than anything, that we die to ourselves daily and give our hearts fully over to him. Here's the thing, it's gonna hurt. It hurts to kill something. To cut off something that is like, man, like this has an attachment on me. Here's a little secret that I have found out. The harder it hurts to cut off, the more we're making an idol of it. If it, if it's like, man, but no, my phone, I can't cut that off or coffee. I can't cut that out or whatever it is. That's the one thing, God, then that's probably the one thing that you're saying this is more, far more important to me than whatever you're talking about, God. And so I would say the one thing that you're saying, nope, not that, is the thing God's saying, yes, that. Cut that out. And let's spend time together. Because again, Romans 8, 32. What did God spare? Nothing. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Let's not hold anything back but let's just say, God, I'm going to seek first your kingdom. I'm going to devote myself to you daily, and I'm going to fix my eyes on you, because then and only then will we know that the storms of this world are nothing compared to the power of God. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. He has overcome this world. Father God, we thank you again. God, you are all powerful. God, you are you're God and we're not. But God, so often we, we just kind of make our walk with you about what we can get out of it and not about who you are. And so God, I just pray that as, as we get ready to go into this week where God already, the calendar is full. God, may we eliminate something, cut out some time and just say, no, no, you are a priority. We're going to, we're going to devote ourselves to you. And then God, may we not be distracted in that time. May we take every thought captive and just give it over to you. And God, may you be glorified. God, may it start here as a people in this building, but God, may it start here in my heart that we become a people fully devoted to you. We love you, God. We trust that you're doing a work. Just let us respond to it. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray this. Amen.